0: In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew.
1: After a nice little break, In the Lab returns me, Drew Doherty, this guy, John Harris. It's great to be with you. And, John, there was an interesting discussion going on between you and Mark Vandermeer. Yes. Yes. About villains, about oh. foes, about yeah, yeah. bad guys. Yes. Yeah. yes. And you all had a ranking, and you put Peyton Manning up there first. We did. That was pretty obvious. Which, uh, it, it is obvious, but, I mean, he was everybody's foe. I mean, he was, he yeah. was a multi-time MVP. But it's he okay. He feasted on the Texans. He, you Everybody
0: know, hates Harvard. It's okay. He
1: padded his stats, certainly against the Texans. That he did. But a, more of a villain who I think if you were to have one of those Mount Rushmores of Texans right. villains I think he's I say this his face would be on it twice it's TY Hilton.
0: Okay, well TY's on our list, right?
1: Good player yep. and yeah, y'all have him second and yep. li- listen to the numbers. 32 <laughs> and 9 <laughs> I don't <want> Colts are <laughs> 32 and 9 against the Texans all time including when Hilton wore a mask. Why well, See, Mark didn't even put the stats in there
0: for TY Hilton. Well, I remember at one point listen, I'm trying to please. remember which po- which point it was. But at one point, he had had in 14 games against the Texans, it was like 98 receptions for mm-hmm. like 1,700 yards and 14 touchdowns There's some sick number like that. I mean, I can remember the games more so than anything else. The 2017 game, mm-hmm. uh, the one right after Deshaun had gotten hurt, he went nuts in that game. 2014, he went crazy. He just had those games. And, and the thing is, is the, the clown mask game, that's what it's known as, and that's that's an in the lab we need to do the, yep. the Texans games with names. The clown mask game, he didn't have a, a ton of production in that game, but they hit him early. on They hit him ball. early, and they got him involved immediately. Early. Yeah, and it was like three catches for thirty something yards. It was not much, but he had big catches, first down catches, and you just didn't want him to go off, yep. especially after wearing the clown mask. And well, and then he did so. T. Y. Hilton not being back with the Colts, like, thank God.
1: Here's so here are the numbers on T. Y. Hilton: twenty career games against the Texans, fourteen and six in those games. So he's won eight more times and yep. He's lost yep. One hundred three catches <laughs> in twenty games for eighteen hundred yards. So just under just under ten and a hundred yep. per. You know he didn't he didn't crack those seventeen point seven yards a catch though against the Texans. 11 touchdowns all time in those 20 games. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, so he just roasted. And doing the clown mask.
0: That was the that was the capper. That's yeah, what put it over I the mean. top for me. But I I just had a hard time, you know, when I brought this up. I can't remember. I happened to be. We were trying to figure out what we were going to do for that segment. I don't know what it was that I thought about that made me think about doing the the villain topic. And it just sort it's of great hit idea. me. It hit me. I was like, mm, let's do this. And I didn't tell Mark we were going to do it because I always feel like that you get a little bit more of a visceral reaction Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the names and the the individuals that that you bring up. And I think you automatically go to Peyton just because you beat him twice. You beat him in 10. You did beat him in 12, but that was it. You know, he set the records against you in 2013. The comeback games, the Rosencopter game. They're just the comebacks he had against the Texans. He to me he the, you you can argue Peyton won, T Y two or vice versa, but I, I think it's those two. He's amazing with, with a bullet.
1: I just don't think about him as a villain because he's he was so excellent against everybody. Yeah, you know it seemed I, I like it. it seemed like Hilton rose his game to yeah. another level when he played it. Now T Y Hilton's a phenomenal player. Yeah, yeah. To the point where I even on our group little text thread earlier this summer. I said
0: the Texans ought to give him a look. If he plays at Energy Stadium, he's going to blow it up yeah. for a game. Give him a look
1: uh, in free agency if he's not, not anywhere. <laughs> so why not? Why the hell not? Okay, so it's a cool list and it's on HoustonTexans.com in the mobile app. Gillette Stadium, I thought was a nice one. Yeah, Mark um, changed that because we started wonder.
0: with Brady and then we started with Edelman and then we started talking about the losses we've had and Mark uh, the losses we've had up there and Mark just said, I think it's Gillette Stadium. And then as he talked, he talked himself into it even more, and I'm like, I think you're right.
1: You've had gut punches there, yep. 17 oh. and 18 with Deshaun. Yep. You've had absolute undressings, like Monday Night Football yeah. in 2012, and then the playoff game there. You've had – you should have gone in and won. You were playing against a third-string quarterback, yeah. and you got third, shut third out. 16. Aye, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, it was awful. So that's a great, great villain. Uh, Robert Mathis strike Dwayne Freedy, that's yeah, that's fine. They're all Colts if yep. it's not Gillette Stadium. And you know what? They they had to fill in the blank, blank yourself
0: yeah, that's for what Mark, number five.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna fill in the blank and I'm gonna I'm gonna get under your skin with this. Oh boy. This is gonna make you kind of angry. Because this is a guy who gets you angry whenever his name comes up. And I think he's on the he might not body of work might not have enough yet, but Dang it! It seems like every time we play them, Darius Leonard
0: does something to screw things up.
1: Throw the monkey in the wrench, as John McClane from Die Hard said. Listen, I mean,
0: I do not disagree with you at all. The reason that he gets under my skin, it's all the other like antics and the, that's why. the dancing and things like that. That's why. Just, that's why
1: he's a villain. That's, it, those are villainous things. You're, no, you're you're absolutely right. He fit. Uh, you will have no disagreement with me. On, on villain. How about how about the numbers? Listen to the numbers. He's played in eight games against the Texans. Okay. Um, nine if you include the playoff games. So, seven and two all time. Go to one category games. for me. Which one? Go to FF. Forced fumbles, he's forced three in the regular season. Okay? He's also picked off two passes. And what he's done is he spaced those out. Yep. It's not all in the same game. And, I mean, he's ended games. 2019 seems like against kiki qt acute a few times
0: the fumble he forced against mm-hmm. the Texans in 2020 he ended the game in 2019 with the pick and then the pie face of kenny stills mm-hmm. uh, forced a f- punched out a fumble of david johnson either 20 or 21 i can't remember which one it was he is an absolute thorn in the side now you said he's, he's played eight games but all eight games he just I've said this. He doesn't tackle anybody anymore. Well last year he was playing with a it was, was such a bum ankle yeah. that it was it was hard. It was really hard to watch him move. He just, so he just decided, forget it. Let everybody else make tackles. I'm gonna punch everything out.
1: To that point, check out the numbers though, tackles wise. It yeah. last year, yes, he only had a combined eleven tackles in those right. two games. But listen to how he started his career. As a rookie in eighteen, he had a sack and thirteen tackles in the first game he played. Yep a sack, and 12 tackles in the second game, and he also broke up a pass.
0: And those were both in 18, right? Those are both in 18, and then
1: in the playoff game, he gets another 13 tackles, breaks up another pass. So, I mean, double digits each time, and then followed it up with 10 tackles in the first game in 19. He also had the pick. He broke up the pass. Next game in 19, forces a fumble. Has only six tackles. Has only six tackles the first game in 20, but Breaks up a pass, 15 tackles that second game in 20, yep. along with another forced fumble, which is a big one, and then yeah, Darius Leonard, and then he um. he was jawed about him on on their hard knocks in season yeah. last. I mean he, I think he's a legitimate Texans villain, and he he's creeping close. He's not up in T. Y. Hilton territory. That guy's in a class all by himself in
0: my mind. I don't disagree with you yeah. at all. The fact that you put another Colt in there, which is not. Surprising. It's AFC South. Sure. You're going to play those teams twice a year, so you're going to create probably more you know, villainous uh, activities with, with those in your division. I asked Mark this maybe in a roundabout way, but I wanted to come up with some villains that came from different, you know, outside the AFC South. Yeah. You go so,
1: slossing with the Jets, wrecking Cushing's ooh, knee. Oh,
0: that's a good one. The one that I came up with was the Every Four Years Club. Players that you faced every four years. Uh-huh. Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Oh, Never beat him. Tony Romo. Oh, I didn't think about Romo. But I came up with Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson. You've not beaten Russell Wilson. No. You beat Rodgers the first time in 08, but in 12, he lit you up like a Christmas tree. 16 is the R-A-L-A-X year and he has the game-winning touchdown to Jordy Nelson. That put him in the lead for for good. And then 2020, he beat just a total blitzkrieg here during the COVID year. Russell Wilson beats you in 13, comes from behind. 17 comes from behind. 2021 gets a win against you. He's 3-0. Eli Manning never lost against you. I called it the every four years, guys.
1: Hold hold on a second. Rewind. What did you say? R-I-L-I what?
0: X? In 2016, the Packers were like – I'm trying to remember what the record was. It was like – five they were five and six or six and five
1: right it was and it was in early december and it was like four or five games left so it's 2016 so they They kind of had to win out yeah
0: and so everybody's panicking and he went on the radio and he was like relax oh r-e-l-a-i-x relax so relax yeah uh and and yeah, on. he was basically telling everybody to relax and then he won every game. And what I remember about that game in particular in 2016 was he was playing with a hammy, I think it was a hammy. In the snow. In the snow that he could barely move. And yet he scrambled for one key first down. He hit a he hit a wonderful the throw to Jordy Nelson was just incredible for a touchdown. He's doing all this in a snowstorm and just making it look easy. And he he looked on the field. Like, he was that guy just going, relax, man. We're good. But I call it the every four years club because never beaten Eli, never beaten mm-hmm. Russell, and only beat Rodgers that first time in the three games after that where he's 3-1. So those are the ones I came up with outside the AFC South. And those, I kind of put all in one – they kind of fit all into one category. So I was like, I liked it. Those are good. I liked it. Jeremy Shockey you could
1: throw in there because yeah. back in 11, he got on – he was with the Panthers and he got on D'Amico Ryan's – Oh. He was he was kind of nasty in that game. Wasn't yeah, it?
0: he he had that pre- the preseason game, the very first game the Texans played when they played up in uh, in Canton in the Hall of yeah, Fame game against the Giants. Yeah. And of course, it was a preseason game, so you take it for what it is. But um, yeah, Shockey's Shockey's a good one. I brought up Corlin Finnegan. Oh yeah, he's, he's absolutely in there. Absolutely. See, now, I, I
1: don't? That's an oversight. How did I not? Well, because he actually played okay against the Texans.
0: Yeah, yeah, he. I, and I brought up Pac-Man Jones, too, because I felt like Pac-Man Jones. Now, the Texans did, quote-unquote, get him later. When he went to the Bengals, Right. he really didn't do much. But with the Titans, he was he was pretty darn good. The one villain that I don't think either, either one of us, I guess, had the heart to bring up, and because I think it was such a short time frame, was Vince Young. Yeah. Because Vince Young fit the category of being a villain, of what you would think of being a villain, coming back to his home city and yeah. You know, Vincent but he really was not he was really not great in any of those games after that. I mean, he was good, but he wasn't great. He wasn't the reason the Titans ended up winning those games. It was Chris Johnson. And yeah. I brought up Chris Johnson, CJ two K, because that dude was unbelievable. But that was a really, really, really short. That was like basically oh eight, oh nine. Mm-hmm. Or 07, 08. I think it was 08, 09. 09. he had a
1: huge game against the Texans. Yeah, in, I think that
0: the, was the year he went 2K. Week 2, yeah. So it was 2009. He in, was oh, well, 08, phenomenal.
1: 08 was 2K, and then week two of 09. That's when they left them wide open. Uh, Why well, They didn't cover him? I mean, you say him. wide. There's wide open. And then there's not covering. And then there's like yeah. having the entire side of the field yeah. with no defender near him,
0: and that's yeah. what they did. A couple others that I, I think Mark brought this up. Um, Adomakinsu.
1: Good one, yeah, for kicking... Schaub. Kicking shop, And then Fat Albert Hainsworth Day. was the
0: other one. Yeah, for breaking shops, list, Frank. I kind of felt like that was a – I mean, look, villains can be one-time or they can be yep. villainous.
1: That's kind of where the shocky thing came from. Yeah,
0: was- yeah, more like a one-time villain. Like, ooh, man, Slauson kind of fits in that yep. category, mm-hmm. like a one-timer. Uh, but we've talked about this ad nauseum about if Albert Hainsworth doesn't break Matt Schaub's foot, basically. Who knows
1: what the Texans What do. happens with
0: 2011? Yeah. At that point, who? <laughs> what happens with T.J. Yates, you all those kind of things that that ended up coming out of it. There were some great things that came out of it. There were also probably the possibility of winning a Super Bowl was right there that year with that team getting as hot as it was at that time. So um, he definitely fits in there. Another one to me that wasn't – he was injured so often. I couldn't remember how often he played against the Texans, but he was just such a force when he was on the field, and that was Bob Sanders. But I don't remember him playing all that much against the Texans. I remember him being banged up and injured mm-hmm. a lot when he was playing um, against the Texans. So I don't really think of him too much as kind of a as kind of a villain. I think T.Y. Payton fit that. Darius fits that. I mean, those you know funky dances he's doing after he's making a, a tackle for seven yards. He makes plays against the Texans. He does. He just you know? he loves seeing the Texans. And then you're right, seeing the Hard Knocks. The Hard Knocks is always sort of interesting from that angle, as you get to hear what those players are saying about your particular team. And, you know, hearing Darius Leonard talk about that, and Farrow and whatever, whoever he had a beef with, it was just, yeah. And he, you're, you're, That's a good call. If you put him at number five, I'll roll with it.
1: So Bob Sanders, to, to bring him up, boy, he only played seven
0: games against the Texans.
1: Six yeah. and one the Colts were, but he was inactive in 04 for the second game. Yep, He played both games in 05, inactive in 06 for a game missed both games in 08 was on injured reserve in 09 played a few snaps i guess the first game here in 09 or excuse me in 10 and then didn't play in the second one i mean that's yeah, sad the just yeah, that the guy injured, was a playmaker and he, he but he's just i think he was
0: his body wasn't built to i mean he was 5 8 yeah he was 5 205 and i mean he was fearless yep i mean he was absolutely fearless and i and i worry about guys i mean Look, I think Jalen Petrie is going to be one heck of a player. But one of his greatest assets might turn into one of his liabilities if he's not careful, and that is his fearlessness. Mm -hmm. He has no issue whatsoever throwing his body into 215-pound running backs. Repeatedly. It's, I mean, you don't want to curtail that, but I always think about Bob Sanders when Mm -hmm. I think about a player like Jalen. Now, Jalen's a little bit bigger. He's 5'10", 5'11", ish, 200 pounds. So he's... He's built a little differently from Bob Sanders, but that same sort of fearless nature of you're in a different color jersey, and I'm gonna hit you with everything I got. Yeah, it, it does. It does worry me a little bit. But if there's some, if there is a player that I am thrilled to watch this year, it's Jalen Petrie. John, I'm
1: glad you bring that up because Jalen Petrie was actually named to the preseason wow. or an early projection of the 2022 All Rookie Teams. Really. He was put there at safety. Who do you think the other two Texans? There's three of them named on these teams. Who do you think the other two happened I mean, to my, be?
0: My guess would be Stingley and, and Kenyon.
1: False, as uh, Dwight Schroot would oh, say.
0: Damian Pierce.
1: Correct. Damian Pierce was uh, Damian Pierce put in is there. one. P- because it, I think the projection was he's, he's got a good chance yeah, yeah, of getting yeah. in there because of who's right. in the running back room with him. Right. It's, it's a different running back Petrie room. Petrie and Kenyon. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Christian Harris was the other one. Ah, okay. Linebacker Christian Harris, who Lovey e. Smith, Nick Casario
0: had a nice fits hand and glove. Yeah, yeah,
1: had a nice bro hug over. They're excited about that, and you know he's he's one of those guys that supposedly or not supposedly but seemingly should be able to cover, hit, get after the quarterback from time to time. Well, so, let's see
0: it plays out like that. Christian's fantastic. Jalen Petrie's awesome. J- Damian Pierce is the thousand yard rusher that John McLean has has gone out on a limb and said he's going wow. to be will you be frustrated, and here's why I ask, will you be frustrated that Derek Stingley and Kenyon Green aren't on that all-rookie team? Now, it, there, there's a lot that can, that could mean, and you know, may, maybe Stingley and Kenyon Green play all season long, but you know, Zion Johnson, who's another first-rounder from the Chargers, has a tremendous year in the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl, because a lot of it, especially with offense, a lot is about perception. Mm-hmm. And maybe Stingley has a great year, but, you know, Sauce is tremendous. And, you know, maybe there's some rookie corner that I can't think of at the top of my head that has seven, eight interceptions, whatever team. And it's Sauce in that guy. But Stingley has seven, you know, plays 16, 17 games, plays well. But if those guys play at a high level, then, okay. But if they don't make a rookie team like this, and I know a lot of it has to do with prestige and, yeah. you know, national media and how it's perceived, all that kind of stuff. But if those three players are making it from a preseason standpoint, then eyes are certainly on the Texans and the Texans rookies for earning such honors. If Kenyon and Derek are not part of that, are you worried? Not really. Does it worry you?
1: Not really because I think, let's say he does, Stingley, play all all the games that you're talking about. Yeah. I think a lot of it, though, based on who he is, based on – what teams will see on tape based on his reputation. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that just kind of try to stay away from him. I, I and if you right. do that, yeah. you're not going to get stats. You're not no, going to get true. attention because somebody else is the ball, you know, somebody else is getting targeted. True. So I think that could be a good thing. And if that's the case, you're doing it. You, that, we, I think we kind of saw that a lot with Jonathan Joseph in his early years here. Yep. The ball didn't go his way a whole heck of a lot.
0: And case in point, Teron Diggs was outstanding last year for the Cowboys, yeah. right? Yeah. He had, what, 10 interceptions? Mm-hmm. But he also had the other side of it where teams were challenging him because they saw on film that he was slopping his technique. He yeah. Bite on double moves. And teams challenged him. Now, they got burned a few times, but they also hit. So he was kind of the, the yin and the yang of yep. exactly what you're saying. Right. Because he made you pay if you want to have too much. But if you want at him enough, you were going to end up hitting the big one over the top. Which is
1: why I could see Petrie benefiting from stuff like that. True. You know, because he true. is more around the line, he is right. more disruptive, more, you know. It, around the ball. I think he could kind of feast on stuff stuff a
0: stat sheet. And that's a little bit easier for something like this, as opposed to, man, we just didn't throw it Stingley. Yeah. And And, and the opportunities aren't quite there. And then
1: to finish that part of that question that you asked, I think if, okay, if green doesn't make it, but Pierce does, but green played the whole season, I think that means green has done something to help Pierce out in that right. 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 And offensive linemen don't get that recognition a lot, but I, I would, I would think that he's done a good job. Right. Especially if he's going to play the whole year. Yeah. That means I, some, he's,
0: yeah. I, I, I didn't I, I just thought about that because I think the natural inclination is, well, they had two first round picks, those will be the guys because of what that list represents. Yeah. I mean, every, every time it's you know an honor, it's like, how can we quantify to be able to say to people, well, we think Kenny Green is fantastic. Well, why do you think that? And I typically go to, you know, things I see on tape. Well, he can do this on power. Yeah. He moves people. You know, he that's not that easy to give a guy credit and say, "Hey, this guy should be a he should be on the all rookie team because he's knocking people off the ball consistently, etc." You want to quantify that in some sense, and so I just when it was not Stingley and it was not Kenyon Green, I kind of thought, mm, "All right, so what if as first round picks, mm-hmm. the first first round picks you've made since 2019? Yep. What if the other guys are all that in a bag of chips and they're just..." Not where they need to be or not where you'd want them to be. Would that disappoint you? And I don't think I'd be disappointed because I think there are a lot of different ways, like we pointed out, that, that it can go. You may not go after Stingley. You know, hopefully Kenyon's going to jump into that starting lineup at some point and he won't move out of it for the next 10 years, uh, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, you never know how things are going to go down. And I think it was Darius Leonard who ended up, if I remember correctly, Darius Leonard didn't make Pro Bowl or didn't make All Pro. No, he didn't make Pro Bowl the first year going back to our conversation about mm-hmm. there, and he was incredible. Yeah. I mean, he was unbelievable. We didn't make the Pro Bowl. And then you find out, oh, well, you know, that was because he was listed as an outside linebacker. Well, that meant he was against all the edge rushers. Yeah, Like, wait, that's dumb. That's not the position. So he didn't have play. the sack numbers. Yeah, and, you know. so it became kind of a number comparison. But- so I don't panic about it at all. I really don't worry about it. But the fact that the recognition for – those three guys being second, third, fourth round picks, I think is huge. I think it, it's fantastic.
1: And I like the guy that wrote it and had these projections. game Chad Reader, yeah. Chad Reuter, yeah. Chad. Or, yeah. Uh, for NFL.com. I think he does a good job. Yeah, he, very good. He, I very enjoy. Detailed. I enjoy his his mock drafts. Yeah,
0: he's not the, gonna do the surface level. Hey, um, it's
1: well thought out. Yeah, it's well researched.
0: Very, very, very well respected. I yeah.
1: think. Yeah. I, 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 so I thought that was cool because he also didn't go with like what you're talking about. He didn't just go with the chalk. Right. He know, didn't like, go with chalk. This. Yep. Exactly. Anyways, uh, speaking of chalk, my uh, my kids got a Coco Melon chalk set for July Fourth, and they were playing with that.
0: Nice. at the bay.
1: Anyways. What's Coco Melon? Coco Melon is a little, it's like this little cartoon where they take uh, nursery rhymes and they sing them. So,
0: my wheels on the bus. Am I out like of that, that demographic now? You're, you're out of that demographic. I'm out of that demographic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a the main character is a little baby toddler um, mm-hmm. with blonde hair named JJ. Really, no, no resemblance no, related to JJ Watt, but none whatsoever. Yeah, JJ, mm-hmm. JJ, hmm. Coco hey. Melon, Coco Melon. All right, look it up on Netflix or Netflix, <laughs> as one of my kids pronounces it. Netflix. <laughs> oh, that could go a lot of
0: different directions. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's just a mispronunciation <laughs> <laughs> in his little mind. John Harris, it's always fun talking with yeah, you. Yeah, man. Good to be back. And uh, JJ, the RJJ is behind the uh, the wall here, making it all happen. Put your hands together for him, because he does a fantastic job, too. JJ would love you. I'm Drew Doherty. We'll see you next time. This is In The Lab.